Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, welcome to Skyboy Red. It's not in for a slip to 16th in the Premier League after their 3-0 defeat to Liverpool yesterday. A case of individual errors proving costly as a pretty insipid performance. Their Forest heading to a very tricky looking game against Aston Villa without too many attacking options. And um, we're going to discuss all that first of all in the company of Reds legend Gary Bertels. Gary, good to have you with us. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. A bit later than normal, so appreciate people's patience. Normally do this uh, in the mornings, but good to have you with us. Uh, Mikey Clark, good to have you with us as normal. Yeah, cheers, Matt. Hi, everybody. Yep, good to be here. Michael Temple stepping off the bench at the last minute for Emily Anderson and enforced change like Forrest. How are you doing? I'm good. Just thinking how many more injuries before Gary Bertles gets a call from Cooper. He becomes <laughs> a number nine again. The only thing I could do was possibly hold the ball up now. That's it. I... I wouldn't be able to go beyond the defenders or anything like that. I'd come towards the ball, but probably wouldn't get it. But they needed that yesterday. They're certainly short on strikers. That's on our topic list. So we'll get into that. Uh, before we start, we should mention well, a tragedy for the sport, uh, for a sporting city this week with Nottingham Panthers uh, losing Adam Johnson, their player, in a freakish tragic accident without going into details. Obviously, a lot of Panthers fans watch this so our thoughts are with the club the team i used to cover them for about four years some lovely people down there so yeah thoughts with them thoughts with the team thoughts with the fans who were there to witness it um yeah terrible times but uh yeah we'll talk about something far less consequential even though i know it drives the passions of people in terms of the team they love in nottingham forest let's get into that uh temps at the last minute edition i'll give you the honors just give us some general thoughts on yesterday and what you made of it well, the second I saw that Chris Wood was injured, I, I feared for us and tried to second guess the, the system that he might play. But clearly without that focal point of, of Taiwo or Chris Woods up top from, from the off, we, we were going to struggle and we just couldn't occupy their defenders at all. They enjoyed the ball with, with very little pressure. They were happy to build attacks. They were also happy to, to spring us on the break, which they do with such devastating pace and power that it's happy to stop. So I thought they were good value for the 3-0 win. We did very little to resist it. It was a poor performance. We were extremely blunt first half. Did improve when Tywa was introduced, but you can't go to Liverpool without those two key players missing and expect to come away with any kind of result when the team that you've selected is ultimately a plan C. Is that a bit of a frustration for you, Mikey? I think we've said this. I kind of I thought we'd lose. I probably just expected a bit more fight, a bit more bite, a bit more battle. Was that missing yesterday? Uh, yeah, I think so. I echo what Temps has just said, but it is it is very difficult when you you're missing you know key players at the top end of the pitch. I, I think if for those people that have listened to Steve Cooper's interview afterwards, he he kind of alluded to the fact that that was Plan C, maybe even Plan D. You know, in the, in the original plan was to play a back four, maybe to be more on the front foot, press their back four because they have looked a bit shaky this season, a little bit unlike Liverpool. So. You know, there was a hope pre-match that we could get at them. But when we've literally not got a recognised striker out on the pitch until about 15 minutes to go, it was always going to be difficult. I think my my frustration was not with the fact that we got beat and plenty of teams will go there and lose more than 3-0 um, and just be on the back foot like we were. It reminded me a little bit of the Man City performance in the first sort of, well, the first half, I guess, we showed them a hell of a lot of respect. I can't really remember a tackle going in. And that, that's kind of my frustration. Yes, we've had to resort, resort sorry, to a low block, probably more defenders on the pitch or midfielders on the pitch than we would have liked. But that's no excuse for not getting, and I know I sound like an 80s football fan, but getting stuck in. And I, I just felt that we didn't. Um, and so I was, I was extremely frustrated at half-time. And I think it was only 3-0 because they kind of took their foot off the gas. I'll be honest with you, that, that's kind of where, where I thought we were coming from. But we did look better when we made the changes. We went to a back four. Tywo got introduced. It was great to see him get 20 minutes. Hopefully he can get at least maybe 60 next week. Um, 
but we do look a completely different team when we when we are backing off into our own half. And to go there to Anfield and expect Liverpool not to break us down in a hundred minutes of football, it's just it's just never going to happen. So we were on a, a losing errand right from the start. I thought it was just really disappointing. I suppose, Gary, we've spoken about this before. We've probably spoken about this before we even start recording. But the recurring two words are avoidable goals. And I think that was a big frustration yesterday. All three goals we had a hand in to varying degrees, didn't we? Yeah, and that that was what we were talking about a lot last season. Steve alluded to it in his pre-match, uh, his post-match interview, sorry. And uh, yeah, you, you've got to stop doing that. You'll get away with it in the Championship, but in the Premier League, you won't get away with it. I mean, last season, we took Liverpool to 3-2 at Anfield. We got really close. We beat them at home 1-0. You know, so we know we can we can get close to these teams. We we lost to Arsenal two one, lost five nil last season. Never scored against United, but scored you know to Old Trafford. So there has been in small improvements. But you know, I, I'll go back to what I said earlier in the season. We haven't signed a striker. That was my one big worry. Um, if you know Tywood got injured, uh, we could struggle. But Chris came in and did a you know a good job. Scored goals. Now he's injured. You know, we, we, we struggle without that. And that's how important strikers are at any level of football. If you lose them, you know, you are going to struggle. And I was watching the Tottenham game as well. And I thought, hmm, we're missing Brennan as well. You know, that, that showed me when he made the goal for Son. You know, I thought, he, you know, a big smile on his face. How many times have we seen him do that, you know, for Forrest? And... Yeah, it was a concern at the weekend, especially with these big games coming up. I was at Brighton yesterday. We've got them coming up. Uh, they were at sixes and sevens a little bit yesterday because he changed things. Uh, he made three big changes, um, changed the system. And they they looked a little bit lethargic first half until, you know, in the final third, they did really well. They've got a lot of pace, a lot of firepower. Um, and, but then Fulham came back into it. So I, I think we've got some very difficult games coming up. And I... I the two games, the critical games with me, and it's not in hindsight, we should have beaten Palace because we were they, they were absolutely down to bare bones. And, of course, we should have beaten Luton. Um, you know, I was talking to, you know, a few mates in football. And I said, when we played and we, we got 2-0 in front, we wanted to go 3-0 in front. And we didn't change things. You know, we went 4-0, you know, and then you change things. Because they say 2 nils most precarious lead in football. I never understood that because I always used to love being 2-0 up. Um, but you know, you, you see fresh faces, fresh legs come on, they're not matched too in, and you know, it, it can happen and it shouldn't have happened against Luton, but it did. And those two results now could put a lot of pressure on the next three games because they're going to be mightily di- difficult, especially with Everton winning at West Ham. Do you think, Thames, this is slightly away from the Liverpool game, but did we see? the impact of losing, or we didn't lose, drawing with Luton affects the way fans reacted to yesterday's game. That that hangover exists until we get a result, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, I think Greg nailed it in the comments a minute ago when he said we haven't actually failed by losing to those those big four sides as, as we have in Arsenal, Man United. Different Greg, different Greg, Gary. Yeah. All right. Man City, Man City, and Liverpool. That the the frustration is is born out of those those draws, and that's that's a really um, accurate observation. So so yes, the the hangover and the manner in which that certain sections of the support are framing this defeat against Liverpool is off the back of the disappointment from from Luton, which we need to put out of our minds and and and, and move forwards now. But yeah, they're the errors we've made. We've dropped points against weaker opposition. We were never expected to beat these four teams on the road. Tactically, we got it right at Man United away. We we found a way to give us ourselves a chance in the game. The most heartening thing that I heard was Steve Cooper's plan A was to play a back four because I think at this stage last season, he would have gone into the game looking to shut up sharp and, and have a low block. And it was only when he, he, he discovered Chris Wood's um, hamstring injury that he had to shuffle the pack and decided that we needed to defend uh, from the off and, and, and park, the, park the bus. So what will happen when Taiwo is, is, is fully fit? How quickly can that happen? How quickly can we get him back into the side and become a front foot side on the road? Because that's a seismic change for me. That wasn't what he wanted to do against Liverpool. He didn't have the personnel available. We clearly don't trust Divock Origi to, to lead the line uh, at this point. And with Chris Wood out for four weeks, Tyro's ability to start and get somewhere towards finishing a game will be critical in getting us back to where we want to be. Yeah, I think Origi's injured as well, to be fair. 
I mean, that's a good point. Wouldn't it? Let's have another international break. Bring it forward a couple of weeks so we can get out of place. <laughs> Um, as Temp says, I mean, we've got 10 points. If we beat and Luton, we'd be on 12, which is level with Chelsea in 11th, which is roughly where we should be. I think it's a very big hangover, which slants the world away on things. Um, for, for looking at the game, Mikey, going back to it, I felt like we were really quite comfortable. I know Liverpool dominating the ball but, and they had one shot which Turner saved, but then to what extent do you blame Murillo for going on that, that run? Uh, and how was that? You know, has he cost us a goal there, basically, do you think? No, I don't think he has. And I know I'm probably in the minority here, but for us to evolve as a team, we do need centre-backs that come out and spread it. Now, I think he's, he's, the only issue I had there was he, he'd already beaten two men and then he tried to beat a third. Um, not many people can beat one man, never mind two. Um, I guess just the learning from him is get halfway out of space and just pop it off. I think he maybe got a rush of blood to the head after his Palace um, heroics with that run. But no, I think that that's just the way you're going to play. You, you look at the Premier League all over this weekend, the amount of goals that were given away from teams trying to play out the back, that's just the way it is and you are going to do it. And was it the right thing to do half an hour into a game at Anfield when you've quietened the crowd? I say quieten, they were, they were quiet from minute one, but I think everybody understands what I mean. Um, I'm not too sure, but I wouldn't have a go at, at Murillo. I think he is a incredible footballer and will be an incredible footballer for us. I, I point the finger at others making certain mistakes, so I may come across sounding a little bit harsh here, but I think Turner could have done better with that first goal, parrying it straight into the middle for a tap-in. Um, maybe being harsh, I, I'd like to think he could have put, put it wide, and then that third goal was just a disaster zone. So, um, And also the second goal, Sangare tracking back. So you can look at those avoidable goals as, as you and Gary were saying at the start, Matt, and, and they were three avoidable goals. But I do think, I never thought Liverpool were absolutely peppering us. But then again, we didn't look after the ball very well. You know, we had one shot on target. That was literally the last kick of the game. I know we hit the bar a few minutes before that, but it goes back to what I said. I think Liverpool were playing in first and second gear. But you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because we talk about evolving the style, centre-backs being comfortable on the ball, coming out, pushing up the pitch, but then we can't then chastise them when they give it away. I just think the only thing was he probably just tried to do too much. He'd already done the hard work. But it's just an evolution. Like you said, Matt, and like Temp said as well, we lost to Liverpool. Most teams will lose to Liverpool. The key was the previous week and the key going forward is going to be Villa. If we beat Villa the whole thing looks completely different because then we go to West Ham and we have a couple more home games where people's perception of how we're evolving as a team is, is higher than what it is right now. You know, there's a bit of doom and gloom, me included, I would think. Um, but I'm trying to be on that side where I'm thinking, you're not going to have a linear progression with this team. There are going to be ups and downs. We are suffering a lot of injury crisis at the moment in the forward position. So you just got to back the boys and, and, and stay with them, I think. But no, all those goals were avoidable, Matt. And he just tried to do too much for the first one. It's as simple as that. See, I, I've got a totally different take on that. Uh, Clint Eastwood did a film and he said, a good man always knows his limitations. <laughs> and, and that applies to anything. And um, the top teams are the top teams because we've got the best players in the best positions who know what to do at the right time. You have to pick your time. You can't just because everybody's saying, well, that's the way it is nowadays. Uh, let's keep, let's do it and keep getting beat and keep making mistakes. That is ridiculous. But th that's what's happening. I, I agree with you. It seems like you do it and be damned. But you do it and be damned, you get relegated. You know, just think who you are, where you are, and, you know, how good you are, and, and, and try and cut those mistakes out. It doesn't make you a bad player at, at centre-half if you try and play it into the channel. How many times have we seen teams do that? Luton have been doing it to teams. You know, they leave it behind. They don't take a chance, a real chance. They Yeah, they'll try and play it out from the back. But if it gets a bit tight, they'll, they'll turn the opposition defence. And even Manchester City do it when they're in, you know, certain bad positions. So it's not just a, a thing that teams in the lower half of the table do. You've got to pick your moments. You can't just say, right, well, it's good to see them do it. You know, if, if you get punished, then so be it. But it's the Premier League we're talking about. You know, you, ca you can't afford to keep doing it. I mean, the Arsenal game at the start of the season, Saka scored a great goal. 
But where did it come from? We gave it away at the left back position. You know, needlessly. You can't keep doing that. If you keep doing it, you'll slip further down the league. You have to get the basics right. I, I did this in commentary yesterday about basics. I, I, the game I did was Brighton-Fulham, and Brighton dominated the game. And I've got to give Marco Silva so much respect for, for what he changed at half-time. didn't change personnel, but you would not believe the change in the attitude of the players. They pressed high, three, four players around the box. First half, uh, Brighton were coming out at will. You know, Lewis Dunk was allowed to play out. Second half, the pressure on the goalkeeper and the back four made them make mistakes. And you can do that. You know, it's, it's, it's just the little tweaks of things and what we call basics in football. If you can do those right, you've got half a chance. You don't have to come round out and beat three players, you know, from the back. I mean, I played centre-half and I could do that because I played up front. You know, my touch was good. You know, I, I'm used to taking players on. And the gaffer used to give me a bollocking now and again, uh, you know, for trying to do it. But, you know, I know what it is to, you know, try and bring the ball out. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just those two games before Liverpool. If we've got something out of them, we wouldn't be talking like this. And um, it's just, I was at the uh, Palace game and I know we should have won that. Um, and I think, you know, Steve knows we should have won it. We're unlucky, you know, uh, Gibbs White hit the post and everything. But you have to put those behind you. You've got so many difficult games coming up now. But it, it, it is a concern. No striker, no striker. Do you do you t- you know try and rush toe back a little bit quicker than you want to? Yeah, it's it's a really difficult one to assess. But you know, with Everton winning, the the only good thing at the moment is the teams below that are really struggling. You know, and that's that's the the one thing that you can take out of everything. They're getting beat. They're getting beat, you know, heavily at times. So, uh, yeah, the, the next three or four games will be a massive test for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, uh, Cooper actually said after the game, he played Tyro for longer than he should have done as advised by the medics. So that's a, that's a worry when it comes to starting on uh, against Villa. As the thing with Murillo Temps, it's cool, like Gary says, Maybe just knowing when to do it. Like he was pinging passes, and that's great. But that run was probably slightly ill-timed when we were pretty. We, we, oh, yeah, we were doing a decent job. Let's just go back to Lewis Dunk, who's just got in the England side. What he was doing yesterday, he was bringing it out when he needed to because they were letting him. Second half, he he was his passing capacity was absolutely superb. He was pinging it wide to feet, and he hardly gave the ball away. His distribution was fabulous. He did things at the right time. You know, in the first half, he was allowed to bring it out. He bought it out. Didn't take any chances. Second half, he was under pressure. Didn't take any chances. And his passing was terrific. So I'll, I'll let you go on now. But I thought I had to bring that into play. Yeah, Lewis Dunk's a, a good example of this. You've got to remember the quality, the craft and the guide of the players that you're playing against to the point where they may not press you the first two, three times. They may want Murillo to accept that he's going to you know, dribble out through the first third and trying to dribble around the press even, give him the space, allow him to do it. And then on, on the fourth time he tries to do it, there's a trigger and they swamp him. And that's that's the, the difference. He's He's come through Brazilian age groups. He's played a handful of first-team games in the Brazilian league where every centre-half probably fancies himself as the, as the next Ronaldo. And now he's found this level where it's an, entirely more brutal, entirely more well-researched, where everyone has pinpoint information about what you do, what you're likely to, what your strengths and weaknesses are. So what would you do if you're an opposition manager trying to quell Marilla? You probably would have a look at him, let him let him do it a couple of times and swamp him on the third. He's got he's got to accept that, become aware of his surroundings, become aware of the level and look at players like Lewis Dunk, 
as, as Gary mentions, like Thiago Silva, who've been proponents of this for, for a long time and know when and where to employ the trick and when it just needs to be a, a channel ball. However, how do you play a channel ball when you've got Anthony Alanga and Morgan Gibbs-White up front? It's, it's, it's wasting possession, as we found again and again against Liverpool. It reminded me of Man City away towards the start of last season, where we were humping it long to, I think Lingard played in that game with Brennan Johnson, Gibbs-White may have been the third. But the, the channel ball is not an option if you haven't got those personnel. So early in the game, we tried to play the through balls, get them in behind. But Ilanga was starting from such a position of depth that he couldn't get around the fullbacks and, and make those balls effective. So I understand the frustration of the Forest defence, who didn't have an awful lot to pass to, had a well-drilled um, Liverpool press, Liverpool shape that was hard to hard to get around and made mistake after mistake. There's, there's nothing to be celebrated from that performance. You can only forgive elements of it because of the, the personnel that, that were available. But to answer the, to, to answer the question on Murillo, Yes, he was overplaying a little bit yesterday. We shouldn't quell him. That's his strength. He's got a little bit of X factor that none of our other centre-halves have in that, in that dribbling ability. But let's make him aware through the video, through experience, when and when not to, to do things like that and what is an acceptable level of risk in a, in a game of Premier League football. Mm. I watched the Spurs Palace game and it's interesting if anyone watched it. They sent half to keeper, sent half to keeper time and time again, just trying to draw Palace out and then go. And we gifted that to Liverpool by doing that. And I think that's a bit, that was a disappointment because then one brings two with Forrest so often, especially when you play deep and Sangare, Gary, we'll talk about him in, uh, in a wider context, but on that goal, Gary, he doesn't go with his man. And that, you talk about basics. I mean, that's proper basics, isn't it? It is basics, and uh, it, it was very similar to maybe... I keep going back to the game I did because you have to, because similar things happen. And um, Reed gave it away for Fulham in a bad area, just on the halfway line, and he didn't he didn't track back. He just jogged back in. And I'm saying, you know, why, why is he not trying to break his neck to get back in there? And the next minute, Ferguson stuck it in the back of the net, the 1-0 down. You know, that, that's a similar thing. You, you you have to not switch off. Because if you switch off at that level, you know, the Premier League is the, the toughest league in the world. And teams like that will punish you every time if you, you give them the opportunity. Like I say, the, the Championship, you'll get away with it a lot of the time. And further you go down, you'll get away with it more or less all the time. But the Premier League is harsh. It's difficult to, you know, get adjusted to. And we've got a lot of players who have not played in the, the Premier League who have got it on a learning curve a little bit. Yes, you can watch every Premier League game in in a season, but until you're actually out on the pitch playing in one and what it entails, you 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 could be lost. You know, you could uh, lose your way a little bit. And uh, I think you have to respect the Premier League for what it is. And, you know, like you say, I keep using that word, do the basics right. If you do that, you've got a chance. Mm. And Sangari, Mikey, we discussed him on last Wednesday. We had a question about him. And I said he's only played five games. You've got to give him time. And I still stick by that. Game six was a dud, but do we have to have some patience with him still? Yeah, you do. You've got, got to think where he's come from. He has, he has played at a high level, but he was playing in Holland, I think, wasn't he? He was at PSV. Um, yeah, different league, it, yeah. It, It's going to take time for him to, for him to sort of get to grips with um, the pace, the intensity, the ferocity of it. Um, I did like a little pass he played out to Alanga right near the end as well. So he's once he gets his head up and he's got a bit of uh, space around him, he looks he looks a lovely player, and I'm sure he'll go into it. You know, there are numerous examples over the years of players that have just taken a little bit of time to settle. Even back to players like Dennis Burkamp back in the nineties. You know, he was he struggled in his first few months. Now even the best players take a bit of time to settle. The guy would have uprooted his family. He's living in a different culture, different. You know, everything's different about it. So just give him a bit of time. There's clearly quality there. It just looks a bit off the pace at the moment. But I think it was nice to see him do more minutes at Liverpool. Did he play the full game or did we take him off right near the end? I can't remember. I think he played the full game, didn't he? I think he did too, yeah. Um, so that's good. So they're obviously building him up because if you remember in previous games, he's come off um, with sort of 20, 25 minutes to go. So they're obviously getting him to a stage where he can play that full 90 and I do think he will come into his own because he's clearly talent there. Absolutely. So I'm not overly worried at all because, you know, we would have done our research. I certainly knew about him before we signed him, as did a lot of people. There was a lot of excitement when he signed. He's just not necessarily hit the ground running. 
But then again, you can say that about a few of them, to be honest. You, and you can go back to last season. Drogba, Zola, you know, all those great players never came and nailed it straight away. No, absolutely. True. Let's move on to the third goal. The, the biggest car crash of the lot. <laughs> it, got, it probably got worse with each one. Um, oh, I'll ask you about Turner in a second, Temps. Just Gary, from a you know former player's point of view, is that all on Turner or does Toflo, you know, have to do better? What went wrong there? Well, when I was a defender, I, you know, I don't know exactly what you can never tell totally. But when I was playing centre half, I always wanted a massive shout from a goalkeeper. You, you were desperate for the goalkeeper. Because he can see everything. He can see what's going on. You don't know what's behind you. He knows. He can see the full picture. So, you know, you, you probably, you know, needed a little bit of help. But those things happen in a, you know, a match. It's not like you, you've given a ball away stupidly. It's, you know, sometimes you can get those goals that, you know, can be look a little bit comical and a little bit, you know, well, why did they do that? Um, but, you know, they, it wasn't... It didn't affect the game in any way in, in respect to the scoreline or anything, or how we played. It was just one of those things. Sometimes you can say it's just one of those things. Um, and as long as you learn from the mistakes you make, I think that's the problem at times. You know, maybe we've not learned from what we've done before in previous games and last season, you know, in trying to correct the mistakes that we've made that have been, you know, obvious mistakes. And, you know, I think we've got to, if we can cut those out, um, we, we've got a chance of moving up the table. But if you keep making the mistakes, you're going to get stuck in a mire and your confidence gets knocked. You know, if you've got nothing up front, um, you're going to struggle because, you know, we, before we had Brennan's pace. Brennan wasn't an out-and-out striker, but we knew if we got the ball and we, we set him free, how many times did we see him, you know, just do that on our counter-attacks? Uh, but we haven't got that facility. You know, Alanga tried to play that game it's not an easy game to play by yourself up front. I watched Ferguson, the young lad for Brighton, who Alan Shearer reckons he's got the lot, you know, and uh, he's he's a he's a talent. Didn't have a lot to do, uh, didn't get many touches, and when it came his way, he scored a cracking goal. Um, and it's like Graham Sooner said, you know, don't let your children be strikers now because they don't get a kick. And it's it's true, it's becoming like that for strikers. They're very very seldom in a game, even Harland. You know, he doesn't get a lot of touches, but he's a totally different player to everybody else. You know, when you watch him, you saw him yesterday. I mean, the header he missed was easier than the one he scored. Um, but he's always there to, to be in a position where if it comes his way, you know, he, he's going to punish people. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's so difficult when you haven't got an out-and-out striker. Um, we saw that, you know, at times last season. And I always bang on about it because I played that position. Um, it's a totally different game. I, you know, I would have been frustrated. I'd have been swearing at people because I wasn't getting a kick. Um, it, it's a totally different game now. But you know, you have to try and adapt to that, and it's not always that easy. No, I think Elanga did fine. You see, he's not a nine. He, he worked hard. He ran offside a bit too much because I don't think he was used to it. But yeah, he did his best. Um, on the, the keep attempts. I feel like I'm a bit of a knee-jerk here because I said we should stick with him before this game, but now I feel like you should change it because I just don't feel like he inspires confidence. I feel like he's got a rick in him. And it's probably a bit harsh. He hasn't been terrible, but I suppose the interesting thing is to me, if you were to line up our last four keepers, Samba, Henderson, Navas and Turner, he's number four on that list by a fair distance, which is a bit harsh probably. So I, I would make a change now, especially as the next game's at home. What would you do? Well, until that third goal, he's he's been the grey man, hasn't he? We haven't really noticed him in a negative or positive sense. He's he's done okay. I haven't called for a change until this point, but that's the kind of incidents where a goalkeeper has been knocking on Stevie Cooper's door every week. Says, "What do I need to do to get get a go here, Gaffer?" Especially when there's been gaffes like that. So I think next weekend probably is uh, the the debut for. Um, Vlacodimos Odysseus, Odysseus Vlacodimos, whatever we're, we're choosing to uh, choosing to call him. I think he will make that change because that ball needs heading. It cannot bounce. As soon as it, as soon as that ball bounces, you, you you're watching Sunday League, aren't you? It was his ball to win. I think it was Toflo that was tracking back. He has to take control. He has to communicate clearly. But more importantly than anything else, he has to get something on that ball. 
And for that reason, and what it shows about the the presence, the confidence, the the the, the state of mind, whatever, I think it's time for a change this weekend. Not writing him off. I think that he may well come back into the side uh, at some point. And we haven't seen uh, the Greek keeper in a forest shirt to this point. But I think he'll get his first chance at the weekend. But mm. I think the thing is, goalkeepers and strikers always get the biggest amount of stick. Because if you miss easy chances, you're pilloried. If you make mistakes as a goalkeeper, you're pilloried. Midfield is the safest position in the world, unless you're making a complete nut of Rick. Um, but... Uh, I, I was lucky enough to play with some of the best goalkeepers ever. You know, you go Shilton, you go Woods, uh, you go Van Broeklin, you go Sagers, Sutton. You know, we had so many good uh, goalkeepers. I played at Grimsby with Steve Sherwood, who was tremendous. You know, what he did for Watford. Um, even at Notts County, I played with Mick Leonard, who was a terrific goalkeeper as well. So, you know, you're lucky to play behind uh, or in front of people like that. And you know how important they are to you because... And like I've said, they read the game. They see what's going on. They can shout at you. They can cajole you. And you need that. And I, I like to see goalkeepers do that. You know, you see the top ones. Pickford's one of those. He's always shouting. He's always balling. And, you know, he's, he's just trying to help. And uh, that's how important goalkeepers are to defenders. Mm. I mean, just briefly, Mikey, on that. Mm. I mean, yeah, he's a good... You're, you're sceptical about his shot-stopping even. I think he's a good shot-stopper, but it's just ball at feet, uh, decision-making maybe is just a little bit. He doesn't feel like an elite Premier League keeper, and I don't know if Lacodemos is, but I kind of like to find out, I think. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yeah, I'd argue that every or most Premier League keepers are good shot stoppers. I think that's that's the basic thing. So I um, I know on this podcast, most people have been saying stick with Turner. I think I've been I've been the other way, to be honest. I think I think he should have saved the goal against um, Brentford that they scored, slipped through his fingers. I had questions about the second for Luton. He could have done better there. And I think at least oh, two of the goals. And, I, saw and that on I think that's a bit harsh. Yeah, I, I, I don't. But I, I certainly think two of the goals were partly, if not all, his fault yesterday. And all, all I would say is I would make the change for the reasons that you guys have said. Um, I think this... Um, this new keeper we've got, the Greece international keeper, by all accounts, is has played at the highest level since he was 22, 23. Um, I'd have made the change against Luton. I'd have made the change against Anfield because he, he won't be overawed by um, by this. But as Temp said, this is the ideal opportunity to get him in. Is it three of the next four at home? Mm. I think it, you'll be hard pressed, I think, to find anybody that can provide a compelling case for not making that change now, if I'm honest with you. In a man management perspective as well, Mikey, I think if he gets bombed this week, he's got no complaints, has he? Absolutely. If he gets bombed in the last three weeks, he, he, he probably has. He's, he's done okay. But it, it's difficult for him to come back in that conversation when he's got an international keeper waiting in the wings. And he's had a, had a bit of a mare there. So I think Steve Cooper will, will seize that opportunity to have a look at his understudy. True. You get any steps in there, Gary? No. Uh, what's just happened... Uh... The dogs just come back, and then she she was jumping up all over me. I tried to keep her off the picture and everything, and I was just <laughs> I was just checking she's still in the kitchen. So, and she is, so that's okay. There you go. His ironing's just turned up. Oh, yeah, well, you got Tamsin's one to talk for those who saw the uh, his dry cleaning arrive last week. <laughs> right, um, let's move on. One thing I said on Twitter about the midfields. I'm not saying play Ryan Yates before people jump on me here. But I thought we lacked a real Ryan Yates presence and intensity. Is that fair, Temps, for you? 
Well, look, four weeks ago, I'm I'm saying on here, Ryan Yates isn't our best player, but he's one of our most important players. And that that energy has gone missing a little bit during this time that we, we've waited for um, Sangare to adapt to his surroundings. What do I think now? I think Mangala has emerged as an automatic pick. Dominguez has established himself as the best all-round midfielder in the squad. And Sangari has shown flashes of ability, but hasn't maintained consistent form. So if you want to ink those three in, Yates is nowhere near it, unfortunately, um, at this point, unless he goes on some kind of Jack Colback, Chris Cohen-esque mission to to retrain himself as a a more defensively minded player in a in a different position. So it's a tough spot for Yates at the minute because his cameos are all action. He's going to be impactful immediately. He's tireless. He's energetic. He he makes intelligent fouls. Um, Ryan Yates. He, he's not just uh, you know a, a hatchet man in centre mid. He only grabs the yellow card when he when he really needs to. And he's right on the edge of of, of being back in this side. But it's going to take a pretty spectacular um, drop in form uh, from Sangare to allow him into this side because his ceiling is so much higher. He will adapt, as Mikey said earlier, as he gets used to the pace and the level um, from the relatively pedestrian surroundings that he's been in 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 the Dutch league. So tough place for Ryan Yates. I think his immediate future is in making a big impact from the bench. He'll continue to do that. He adds value to the squad, but I can't see him starting if we're looking to establish those three as the foundation of a, a front foot forest side. Mm. Mm, I, I think you're a little bit off there. Um, I, I, the number of times he, he's made a difference when he's come on or when he started, you've got to take into consideration what the others are doing. Are they creating chances? Are they scoring goals? Can they do what he can do um, You know, in certain areas of the pitch? Um, do they know the Premier League? No, they don't. Does he know the Premier League? Yes, he does. Um, and those things have got to come into consideration. It's all right saying, well, you've got to give them time. You've got to give them time to, you know, break them in and everything. But you could be losing game after game by doing that. I think sometimes you have to go with tried and tested. And, you know, he's never let us down. You know, a, a lot of people gave him stick at one point and then changed the mind because of, you know, what he did last season for us in the at the back end of the season, you know, him and Joe Worrell, without those two, I still think we'd have gone down. I, I, I honestly do, because their performances were, you know, particularly good and they knew what they had to do. And it, it is a hard learning curve. We, we I say this all the, turn, the, the time, the Premier League. Yes, they've got great ability. Yes, Drogba had great ability. Yes, Bergkamp, the ones we've mentioned. But, they, you know, great as they were, it didn't come straight away. But they had more great players around them to make sure that it did come round quicker than maybe it would for our players, if that makes any sense. It's like mm-hmm. Man City, you know, the players they bring in. You know, they, they, Jack Grealish came in there and there was a few tuts and murmurs about him. But yesterday, I believe he was absolutely superb, you know, more or less man of the match um, because, you know, he, he, he's adapted to what is needed in the Premier League under, you know, that football team. And because they've got stacks of players, you know, in and around uh, who can do very similar things, change games, then they're always going to be up there. That's why I love the Brightons because they're tapping on the door, they're tapping on the uh, the ankles of the top boys, and you love to see that. You know, like Newcastle getting involved, but you have to do that on a consistent basis. That's the difficulty in the Premier League. Consistency is paramount. Again, that saying, you know, great players don't get better, they get more consistent. Great teams don't get better, they get more consistent. They consistently nick games, they win games, they grind games out. They've got the players to do that. And I think Ryan Yates comes into, you know, that sort of ilk, you know, that you have to have and put him in there maybe from the start instead of saying, all right, we'll bring him on and, you know, he might do this and he might do that. It's very, very difficult, believe me, being a sub and coming on and being expected to do. David Johnson did it, super sub at Liverpool. Not many can come on and have an impact like he does, or he did, sorry. And it's a difficult one because the expectation levels when you come on as a sub, if you're expected to suddenly turn the game on its head, it's so difficult. Some players can do it, some can't. But, you know, I think like players like Ryan Yates, as we saw last season, 
you know, can be so beneficial to you when you start them. Mm. He was he was immense last year, and it frustrated a lot of Forest fans when they saw players like Froiler and Shelby getting minutes over him at certain times. It's just that bit harder now for him to displace someone of the of the ability of a Sangare, the form of Mangala, and the different skill set of Dominguez. I hope he's still in in, in a mix with those three for minutes. But it, this is the hardest battle he's ever faced for a centre mid shirt. I'll just say to you, how many goals of how many assists has been. Uh, achieved by those players you've just mentioned. Yeah, not not enough, Gary. Not enough. How many goals has, has come scored wise from those players? Yeah, the Dominguez, Dominguez, Dominguez header, scored yeah. against Brentford, didn't he? Yeah. Do, do, does Ryan Yates look a bigger threat from set pieces and you know um, delivers into the box? Yes, well, he he he, yeah, hell of a ball to Ilanga, wasn't it, at the weekend from Yatesy? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a difficult one, but you have to look at the overall picture. You can't just say, well. You know, he's doing this, doing that. You buy players to make an impact. You don't buy players to hit the odd decent pass and have the odd decent run. It's the Premier League. You buy players to consistently do it for you. That's why Man City win things. That's why Man United are losing at the moment. There's just no consistency. There's just nothing there with a spark. They have the players in there, but it's just there's just nothing happening. And I just think you've got to assess it a little bit differently at times. And say right, horses, horses. Um, you know, we we know he can do this. You know, let's put him in there, see if he does a better job. Because mm. there's one thing you get from him is a massive 100 percent every time he pulls a shirt on. No matter mm. if he passes it, you know, erratically sometimes. If he puts it out of play, you know, you're going to get every ounce of his energy for 90 minutes. Mm. I think I still sit with the same three. I just challenge Sangare to be more physically dominant uh, against because they've got Kamara and they've got McGinn and they've got Louise. That's a very good three, and we need to step up. If Yates comes in, it's kind of a, it, I'll call I back, but it's a big call to drop your thirty million pound man unless you drop Dominguez, which I wouldn't do, and I wouldn't drop Mangala. So that's probably why. But Yates could Yates could be knocking on the manager's door this week and saying, yeah, "Give me a it start." Is, oh yeah, you look at the goal scoring charts. Woods and a one-year apart, who's the next top goal scorer? Uh, probably Dominguez and hudson Adore got Willie one. Bolly. Willie Bolly, yeah, he's got one at Man U. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, and yesterday, Fulham's top scorer was two. Decadiva, Decadiva Reed, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, he's got two. You know, yeah. that, that, that if you got, you're going to have that, you're going to be struggling in the, in the Premier League. You know, I think Fulham are still they're still above us, even though the the top scorer's only got two goals. Well, if a one year can't start, then I'd play a back four, and then I'd have uh, you know maybe get two people you know pushed on, and maybe Yates is one of those with Dominguez, and you play a yeah sacrifice a defender for a yeah, Yates if yeah if uh, a one year can't start, and then plays kind of box midfield. But that's getting into Thursday stuff. But yeah, there's ways to get him in the team still. Right. Um, uh, yes, if the, you are enjoying this, I pressed the wrong button. Here's the right button. Like and subscribe. Uh, do us a favor. We've got over 8,000 subscribers now. So that is certainly a big help. Uh, right. Where to next? Oh, yeah. The lack of strikers, Gary. You touched on it. Um, no wood for a month. Taiwo probably can't start. No Hudson Adoy. No Origi. Uh, Elanga was half fit in this game. Gibbs White hasn't quite looked the same. We're going into a tough run of games and I'm kind of worried about where the goals are coming from. Well, I, I hate to say I told you so, but I, I said this weeks and weeks ago. You know, we're talking about signings and everybody's saying, well, this guy's coming in, this guy's coming in. And I kept saying, hold on a minute, we need a striker. We need a striker. And we haven't got a new striker. You know, one who would, you know, stand out. Yeah, we've got Origi. You know, still question marks about him. Um Hudson Adoy still question marks about him, and it can come back to bite you on the bum a little bit. And you know, it, it, it'll just these next games will tell us, you know, if, if that's the case. Mm. <coughs> but sorry to interject, Gary. Just on yeah. on that, a few people <coughs> messaging me saying, "Well, Aguilera has mentioned who hasn't really featured yet, and also what you know, can't we play someone from the academy? And you should always have a striker on the bench." Can you, you can't. I don't think you can get thirty minutes out of an academy kid in the Premier League. I, I'd play Alanga or someone else. What's your view on that? 
well, on the bench yesterday for, uh, I think, Brighton. There were two academy kids on, on the bench. Yeah, but our academy kids haven't played a single game of senior football. Well, you, you, if you've got them on the bench, you've got nothing to lose sometimes because, you know, youngsters play with no fear. You know, Brennan's only 22, but, you know, we saw what he was like at 20. You know, you, you, some players can come out. I mean, the boy uh, Ferguson, 19, you know, at, uh, at Brighton, starts the game, you know, scores the goal. You know, age sometimes is taken a little bit too literally. You know, some players adapt more at a younger age than others. That's what annoys me about, um, you know, maturity and, you know, football and, and size and everything. It was always, you've got to mature at the same time. Well, you know, we don't mature at the same time as, as men, as, as players. You know, everybody's different. The metal metabolisms are different. You know, the mentalities are different. You know, you've got, you, you look at Bellingham, for goodness sake. I mean, he's, he's another one-off. How old's he? You know, and he's mm. taking, you know, La Liga by storm. He's taken, you know, international football by storm. So sometimes, you know, if you, if you think the player has got the right mentality, which obviously Bellingham has, you know, g give them a game. Don't be frightened. Don't start them, maybe. But, you know, bring them into that arena. You know, because we are seeing players of that age who can do that. You know, if the senior players aren't doing it, older players, I'm not just talking about our club, I'm talking about anywhere. And Brighton have had the wherewithal to put him in the team at, the, you know, that young age. And we see, you know, we watched Burnley, some of the young, you know, players they had who caused us problems. You know, they can, you know, play a part. You know, we, we used to say you, you won't win anything with kids. And, you know, then you saw all the skulls, the Beckhams and all that lot come through. You know, it's it, it's not a, a, a write-off. What's the academy there for? It's there to produce the next talent. And if that next talent comes a bit earlier than you think, well, then put them in. Give them an opportunity if, if you think they're right for it. Right. Changing gear. I was scrolling way back through the comments. I owe Mikey an apology because he sat here for 20 minutes and you know, he just listened. I'm going to throw this to Mikey first. These are consecutive comments uh, in the YouTube chat. Christian Goddard, big picture. Forrest will be absolutely fine this season. In at exactly the same time, Chris Watson. Forrest are in big trouble. Forrest will go down. <laughs> Which kind of sums up the polarised views of the, certainly the on online fan base right now. Mikey, where are you at? It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Um, first off, you don't apologise. I enjoyed that, especially the Ryan Yates debate. I'm trying to think where I sit. Probably somewhere in the middle, to be honest with you. Um, but anyway, to answer the question, Matt, um, where am I at right now? Um, my head says we'll be all right. Um, but my, my gut is telling me that I should be a little bit worried because we're still trying to bed in some of these players and we've got a very tough run of fixtures coming up with no attacking options. So... I guess I'm a little, little bit of both. I don't think we'll go down, partly because of what Gary was saying earlier on. You know, you know the we the league this season is considerably weaker, I think, than what it was last season. You're going to have two teams, maybe even three, that are marooned at the bottom there, and I think the rest of the teams will pretty much pull away. And, and I, I do believe we are one of those teams. So, whilst at the moment it might look a, a bit precarious, 
Um, I think people are thinking, oh my, oh my word, we've played all, all three promoter teams. We've only just beaten one in the last minute. We drew with the other two. We didn't beat Brentford. We got beat at Liverpool. We chucked away two goals at Man United. They're right. <laughs> and it is a little bit concerning, but it's still very early in the season. And I do believe, and I know the game's not played on paper, but if you look at the squads, there's a considerable difference in quality with our squad compared with some of those others. So I think the next three or four games, as Gary said, are really crucial for numerous reasons that I'm sure we'll talk about. And I'd love to see us somehow get a win against Aston Villa. Because if you remember this time last season, we're in a very similar position. You know, we were, I think we we're in the bottom three, we we're struggling. Cooper got a bit of a vote of confidence, so there's nervousness around the ground. And we should have beaten Villa at home last season. And if it weren't for an Ashley Young 30 yarder, which he's never done in his career apart from that, we would have done. So I think now's not the time for anybody to panic. Although I do appreciate the polarising views because I flip in my head between it as well. But logic tells me we're going to be all right. The only other thing I said, and I don't know whether it's on your list, Matt, is, you know, the lack of attacking options. And this is where would push me to the other side and worrying a little bit. None of these players have got injured during a match. So Origi injured in training, Hudson Adore injured in training, Awani injured in training, Chris Wood injured in training. Like isn't there a question to be asked around I don't know, I don't even know what the question is. Are we are we pushing too hard? Because because we need these plays for a Saturday. So maybe it's just a freak of nature. Gary, you'll know more because you watch the training. Well, what, what... Yeah, but we train on uh, mud heaps, you know. We went down to the training ground and, you know, down by the river. So it was a totally different thing. I mean, all the uh, training pitches now, the uh, the training grounds are pristine. You know, I don't think the normal grass will, will totally anymore. I think the, you know, a double surface or whatever you like. And I think sometimes that can be a little bit aggravating, you know, because you want your players to put everything into training. Yeah, sometimes you're going to get a, you know, a misplaced challenge. Uh, that's always happened. You can't do anything about that. But I'm, I'm just a bit, you know, suspect of surfaces, you know, when you see now as well, when, you know, the pitchers on a Saturday, you know, they're that perfect, but they're that hard, they're that firm, that, you know, and you see some of the, the, the fragility of the football boots now. And, you know, when players get caught, we had, you know, sort of stronger boots in those days. Now you get caught and it looks really nasty. Your ankle gets turned. So there are, you know, a lot of mitigating circumstances. Uh, but it is concerning that, you know, players are getting more injuries in training than uh, than in, you know, the actual football matches. Uh, but I think it happens to all teams. Um, and you, you'll see that throughout the season. But the, the lack of attacking options, what do we do? You know, these big games coming up, who do we play? Do you, do you chance, because Villa's the next game, Tau coming back in? saying, right, can you give me 60 minutes? You know, I'd rather do that, you know, let a player start than bring him on later because he can win you the game rather than coming on to try and save a game. You know, that's always, I always love the other way around. I like somebody to start. I would rather start than come on a sub, you know, when I played um, because you can give it your everything for an hour and then if you're shattered, you know, you might have done something on the pitch in that hour that transforms a game. But being asked to transform it by coming on is always more difficult. Um, just going back to the we're completely screwed, we're going to be fine question temps. Where's your balance <laughs> sit at the moment on that? This is the weakest bottom end of the Premier League that there's been for some time. I think that Burnley, Sheffield United and Luton are all in trouble. And two or three other clubs who haven't invested properly find themselves competing in that bottom six. We're not part of that. We've underperformed in some games. And I think Paul Taylor probably nailed it. Uh, nailed the, um, uh, the, the general mood in his athletic piece this morning when he said, Steve Cooper is now facing the same challenge he faced 12 months ago in having to gel a squad that has evolved at a pace that we haven't seen in the last 20 years at Forest. And look, you, you, can, um, you can laugh that off uh, in the sense that we've spent a lot of money bringing in the kind of players that Steve Cooper wants. But the, the fact remains that those teams that are settled, that are winning consistently at the top end of the Premier League, have, have done so by adding two and two and three players and refining a formula that's already there. 
Brighton finished 15th, 16th, 15th before elevating themselves to the stature that they have now. Steve Cooper was a, a, a league manager at Swansea for 105 games before he came to Forest. He's managed Forest for 101 games. That's nothing. He's had a season and 10 games in the Premier League. That's nothing. Every single year that he's had in club football, he's made an incremental game. The challenge he's got now is his is the rate at which he can improve the performance levels and the number of points taken compatible with the ambition of the ownership who ultimately um, have their own view of the pace at which Forrest should evolve into a genuine force in the Premier League. There's division in the fan base, as you've seen from those comments that you highlighted earlier, by those, think, those that think we're overachieving and those that think that we're underachieving. This being the world that it is, there's very few people that are just satisfied with where we find ourselves at the minute. But that's probably where I sit. I know that if Steve Cooper loses three games in a row, he's under threat from the ownership. I know if Steve Cooper beats Villa, all of a sudden he's punching the air and we're all you know, back on side with him at the city ground at the, at the weekend. But are we overachieving or underachieving? In, in the last 21 years, we've spent a season and 10 games in the Premier League. So for me, this is one of the high points. We should celebrate it. We should get behind the manager, create an atmosphere on Saturday that, that is becoming of what we've established over the last year and a bit and go and beat Aston Villa because that will give everybody the impetus they need to enjoy their football and to win more games. Historically, last season, you know, we played better against the better teams. We beat Liverpool, we beat West Ham, we beat Brighton. Brighton, didn't, you know, we got that uh, we drew down there 0-0 and beat them at our place. You know, we got good results. We drew with Manchester City and we, we seem to do better against better teams. Uh, but it's just the concern at the moment, if we don't have anybody up front, uh, that that could be, you know, the, the big you know, downside of what's coming up in these next three or four games. That's my only concern. Uh, I'm going to concern about Steve because, you know, he's not changing the way he kept us up last season and he did last season for us. Uh, you know, and to see three teams who got promoted stay up last season was tremendous. You know, I don't think it happens all the time. And um, like you say, these three teams are struggling at the bottom. Sheffield United, Burnley, Luton. Bournemouth are getting sucked in a little bit. Everton got themselves out a little bit. Um, yeah, so it's not going to be easy. And, you know, the other teams might start picking results up at, at, at some point. And then it, be, it does become a concern. But, you know, I, I think we've weathered a massive storm when we saw the fixture list come out and the, the run we had, especially of away games, Liverpool away, Man City away, Man United away, Arsenal away, Chelsea away. Crikey, you know, we've, we've come out of that not overly bad. You know, we've been beaten, but not beaten, them, you know, massively. Um, Chelsea, yeah, it was it was a good win, but you know Chelsea. I mean, they're struggling big style at the moment. You know, you should people should be worrying more about what they're doing, not what we're doing. I still think we've we've got a, a strong squad, and when we've got a, a fit squad, we'll be okay. The key thing now, you've learned it there, is Taiwo, because physios now don't tell you a player is fit or unfit. They'll tell you about <laughs> his load and what they think he can do at a particular moment in time. If Taiwo Awanyi is past fit to start. We can go toe-to-toe with Aston Villa. If he isn't, I, I do fear for us in these couple of games ahead. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I apologise for I've said this already in the podcast. I recorded one earlier where I might have made this point or in this podcast, but we've signed Elanga and Hudson-Odoi for a combined 20 million. And we're playing Villa, who've signed Diaby and Bailey for a combined 80 million. So we're a little bit off that still. But I think if we step back, I think we're only one result where, from, away from where we should be. I think we've had one dud performance all season. Well, one in a, one dud pretty against Liverpool in a way and 15 minutes against Luton where it just cascaded to all hell. But otherwise, I think we've been kind of OK. I don't think we're as bad as people are making out. I don't think we're a million miles off it. But I am a bit worried it does. Well, it could well, fracture even more. Look how many matches Chelsea have got for all their money and where's it got them? Uh, you know, the bottom half of the table, more or less. You know, be careful what you wish for. All, all the time. You know, Steve has done a magnificent job at our football club and I, I still think he can do, uh, you know, continue that and take us the next step. The next step doesn't come automatically overnight. Hmm. You know, Brighton didn't do it overnight. You know, West Ham didn't. Newcastle, you know, you know, Eddie Howe come in and, you know, he, they were down at the bottom. People forget that a little bit and look where they are now. So hmm. be careful what you wish for. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. Matt, I think it's an unforgiving league. 
sorry to chip in. It, it's just it's un, it's unforgiving. And if you look at our start, you know we've we've only played ten games, and we've played I think five of the top six last season. Most of them are away from home. We have had a tough start. And now on the flip side, we played the promoted teams. Now I think we're going to play a lot of teams sort of in and around us. So I think after the next sort of six to eight games, you'll probably have a better feel in terms of where we are. And I, I concur with Temps. I think we'll be all right um, for two reasons. One, because there's some rubbish teams in this league, I'll be honest with you. And I think two, because I think we're better than what we're showing on the pitch right now. So I think yeah. we'll be fine. Now's the time to get behind the managers we're saying here and just rule the guys on because the next month is going to be crucial. And if we hit the ground running and get some good results, we're going to have a good season. So let's just like take stock. We're only a quarter of the way into the season, plenty of time left. Yeah, I think you've hit my worry there about getting behind people. Obviously, I'm not, don't tell fans what they should do, but my worry is I think we'll lose to Villa, but I think we'll be fine if people keep their heads. But I can imagine that I can already see the meltdown if we lose to Villa. I would and... surprise, it wouldn't surprise me if we got something against Villa. Yeah, really I think that would surprise me, but I think we could. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, they, they've got they're a top team. I think they should be judged in the same way as playing Spurs Price, this season. You know, they've got goal scorers, you know, they've got fit goal scorers, and that makes so much difference. Mm. You know, I just my, worry about like the look, way the I, fans are this I, season isn't the same. If Al, Alvarez and Haaland got injured and were out for a month, you know, Man City might just struggle. You know, they've not been the Man City of last season, you know, they've lost a couple of games. You know, Tottenham are top of the league. And, you know, with no games in hand, you know, they're, they're clear at the moment. Whether it will, you know, transpire that it continue like continues like that, I don't know. But, you know, things can change around a little bit. And uh, it's nice to see that. Uh, but Man City do look ominous again. You just feel they're going to click into gear and just run away with it again, um, which will be a little bit like Max Verstappen winning the uh, Grand Prix, one after the other. But, uh, yeah, let's hope somebody sticks a little... Uh, what's the spanner in the works? And yeah, I, I I'm just looking forward to. Is it Sunday we play? It's Sunday after it's Sunday afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that. And yeah, let's be positive. You know, we've got a lot to be positive about. You know, we've had a lot to be negative about in the last twenty odd years. And what we've seen at this football club the last couple of seasons has lifted not just us lot. It, you know, it lifted Nottingham, and uh, rightly so. And so that's down to Steve and his, his staff. And uh, you know, to to you know, th- even think about you know him disappearing from our club is you know pretty strange. And you know, I, I once our team are fit, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I think we just need to have a, you know. I think there'll be a really good atmosphere against Villa. I'm just a bit alarmed at how divided people are. I thought there'd be a drop off, but I, I'm reading too much into online fans. But it's really like alarming how people have really like turned. Look, Matt, if we beat if we beat the Luton, none of this would have happened. Agreed. The manner of the Luton uh, game, we didn't lose it, but we we threw it away. We threw three points away. And it's not the Liverpool game, it's just that Luton game. If we win that, we're we're comfortably middle of middle of the table. Mm. Uh you know we should have we know we should have beat Palace. But there we go from last season. We'd have been delighted with a point at Palace. This yeah, season you know we're disappointed we didn't get three. Yeah, yeah don't worry about it Matt. People care. They express their passion in different ways. Some are, some some retreat back in and think logically. Some go up, you know. Some get all their emotions straight out. It's just people care, and I'd rather have people care than don't care. You can debate about yeah. good and bad stuff all the time, but there's passion there. And I tell you what, those people that are saying oh, we're in trouble will probably be the loudest at the ground on Sunday because they'll be desperate to turn it around because they they care. I was going to say something else. They kicked me off the podcast, but they they. Give something in here, and that's what it's all about. I think we all know what you were going to say. Yes, yeah. I've spluttering. I've had. I can't shake this flipping cold off. This cold cough and cold I've had for about four or five days. True, and I think you make a fair comment there, Mikey, as well. Right, we've been going for an hour. Just very quickly, because uh, if anyone's got anything else to say, I certainly don't. Mikey, anything else from you? No, I've personally got a busy week this week. I think I'm off to the, um, the fireworks at Temps on uh, Trent Bridge on uh, Saturday. Looking forward to that. So hopefully a great weekend for Nottingham. Fireworks display followed by three points on Sunday. That's what I want. True. Temps, anything else before we depart? Well, I was going to say three-point plan to beat Villa. Play four-five-one with wingers or four-three-three, whatever you want to call it. Change the keeper, start Tywo. Sounds good to me. Gary, any quick final words? Yeah, um, I've got to go back to my game yesterday. How did uh, the boy at Fulham not got set, not get sent no, off? Polina. 
how the hell was that not reviewed? I don't care what. It was violent conduct. And as a player and an ex-player, you know exactly what he was doing. He meant that. He caught him flush in the face and he got away with it. And then he goes and scores the equaliser. Absolute disgrace. And it, the journalist in the paper this morning, no mention of it in two of the three papers I read. And the only other one was he was lucky to avoid VAR, um, you know, sort of whatever you call what they do. It's just scandalous how, you know, it, it, it's still going and it's still not right. An elbow in the face is one of the worst things you can, you know, do on a football pitch. It's violent conduct. He didn't even get booked and never even looked at it. What is going on? Yeah, I had a bet on that Palace, um, no, Spurs-Fulham game that would have come in if he'd been the first player booked and he absolutely got away with it. I don't know how he did it, but yeah, time and time again. Bet responsibly. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I watched a good, two good films, playing Gerard Butler, Sandra Gerard Butler film, and Joyride, both on Amazon, if anyone wants something to watch tonight. Right, we talked for over an hour. Uh, lots of uh, interesting views, lots of people with us. Very much appreciated. We're back on Wednesday. Uh, I spoke with John Bruin, who's uh, a writer who's on the Football Weekly podcast a lot, talking about the Premier League this season, Forest in particular, obviously. So do join us for that. And then we're back on Thursday with a match preview with some of these gents quite possibly. Mikey, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. Temps, thank you. Cheers, fellas. Gary, thank you for giving us a tour of the house. Uh, pleasure as always, yeah. So just checking uh, that the dog wasn't outside because the back gate's uh, a little bit dubious, but uh, yeah. He's got a lot Good. of land as well, Gary, hasn't he? He must have acres. No, it's not mine. I'm not, I'm not at home at the moment. I'm, I'm home tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah, he's on location. As uh, Gary's always on location, so yeah, absolutely. Location, you know, it makes sense. <laughs> right, we'll leave it there. Good to have so many people with us. Like I say, we'll be back on Wednesday, then Thursday, and then uh, this time next week. And appreciate people's patience that were a little bit later in the day doing this. Have a good few days, and we shall see you soon. <laughs>